My name's Alexander Villegas, assistant editor at the Tico Times, and welcome to the Tico Times Dispatch. Welcome to our March News Roundup. Earlier this month, Sergio Rojas, an indigenous Briuri leader who fought for indigenous land rights, was murdered in his home. A wildfire also raged through Nosada, and Costa Rica has been facing water cuts as the upcoming El Nino phenomenon is expected to cause droughts throughout Central America. In the fallout of the Oscar Arias accusations, Cris Gomar launched a platform for women to share their stories of sexual assault or harassment. The Tico Times also released a new podcast where a reporter, Alyssa Groskoff, explores the causes and how to fight street harassment in Costa Rica. And La Cele is gearing up for the 2019 CONCACAF Gold Cup. Gustavo Matosas, the new coach, has been testing out some new players and Costa Rica will be the first Central American country to host Gold Cup matches this upcoming June. dar los detalles del asesinato de Sergio Rojas Ortiz, el líder indígena de 59 años que fue asesinado la noche de este Sergio Rojas was shot dead in his home on the night of March 18th. Rojas was an indigenous Brivity leader who fought for indigenous land rights. The murder is still under investigation, but Rojas survived assassination attempts in the past. Here to help us understand a little more about the fight over indigenous land rights is Tico Times reporter Alejandro Zuniga. So, Alejandro, what started the struggle over indigenous land rights? Well, Alex, Costa Rica, for a very long time, has struggled to deal with indigenous land rights. And the current conflicts stem from 1977, when the country passed a law that gave the Bribri and another indigenous community the rights to more than 11,000 hectares of land. Unfortunately, that law did not give any sort of reparations or allocate funds to compensate the families, the non-Indigenous families that were then removed from that land. And since then, non-Indigenous families that had lived on that land for decades have been fighting to get what they believe is theirs back. And how has the Indigenous community in Costa Rica responded to that? Well, for quite a long time, Sergio Rojas and other members of various indigenous communities have asked the Costa Rican government to take a bigger role in protecting them uh, because they have faced threats for many, many years. Uh, So as you mentioned, uh, Sergio Rojas himself, uh, before he was murdered last month, uh, he had in years previously faced assassination attempts he had been shot at. Uh, And in 2014, when much of the country was celebrating Costa Rica's success at the World Cup, uh, the Bribri community was facing attacks from about 80 non-Indigenous farmers uh, who came at them trying to fight for their land back, or what they say is their land back. Uh, Those 80 or so non-Indigenous farmers also blocked roads uh, into and out of Salitre, uh, which is their territory in the province of Punta Arenas. uh, And... As I said, for years, uh, in fact, in in the days before his murder, uh, Sergio Rojas and other members of the indigenous community had gone to the Fiscalia or the prosecutor's office uh, to say that they had been harassed and threatened and asking for more support. And it even got to the point where in 2015, the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights said that the Costa Rican government should install precautionary measures to protect the Bribri and other indigenous communities. Um, Did they? Yeah, uh, 
As you said, the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights has had their eye on this situation for quite some time. Uh, by their estimates, the Salitre area, the area that was designated by the Costa Rican government uh, to belong to indigenous people, more than 80% of that has been taken over by non-indigenous people. Uh, they stepped in again after the murder. Uh, they asked that the state of Costa Rica adopt any measures necessary to protect the lives and personal integrity of the indigenous people uh, and to make sure that there's a full investigation conducted to the cause of the murder. Uh, that, of course, is ongoing, but the commission says that it is necessary for Costa Rica to take these additional precautionary measures or else they will be declared internationally responsible for any future events. So how has the indigenous community responded to Rojas's murder? The Tico Times was actually at a memorial service for Sergio Rojas, uh, which was organized by members of the indigenous community. And according to those organizers, Rojas had said various times that if he had to die to defend indigenous land rights, he would do so. And according to the organizers, he fulfilled that mandate. Faustina Torres, who was one of the organizers of that memorial, said that she blamed Costa Rica's government for negligence, for failing to provide more protection for the indigenous communities following that 1977 law. And their priority, she said, is to find justice for Sergio Rojas and to find out who was behind the killings. And I guess where is that investigation at right now? It is an ongoing investigation uh, that is currently being headed by OIJOTA, the Judicial Investigation Police, and they're not saying much because it is an ongoing investigation. The latest we've heard is that they're conducting studies to determine whether the bullets used in the murder uh, match that of some of the people, the non-Indigenous people uh, who live nearby, uh, and they're trying to find if there's any link between the people that the indigenous community have said have been harassing them and threatening them uh, and the murder. But obviously, this is an ongoing situation. And for any more information, check out the TicoTimes.net as we'll be publishing more when we learn more. Here we go. I'm fired in the Guanacaste. Oh, there's the Nasada. Fires tore through the hills of Nosada in March. With the closest firefighters over 90 minutes away, local volunteer firefighters were on the front lines of that fight. Managing editor Catherine Stanley is here to talk us through it. So, Catherine, what caused these fires? Well, at least when we reported on the story, the Nosara firefighters told us the cause was unknown. But when the country is so dry, especially in areas like Guanacaste, which are typically drier than the rest of the country, even a very small spark can cause huge blazes. They also told us that high winds in the area helped the fire spread fast and made it especially dangerous. And things are a bit drier now because we're in summer, right? Exactly. We're coming towards the end of what's normally the summer period in Costa Rica, which means that there are basically no rains, and it makes the work of the Nosara firefighters a lot harder. Um, they are, as you mentioned, a local volunteer organization that was created because the nearest official firefighters are so far away, they just can't respond to the many incidents that happen in Nosara. They were able to bring the flames under control in this case, and they exist uh, because of 
donations they receive. We'll put the link in our show notes for people who want to contribute. And they let us know that there was another fire in the area yesterday, so their work continues. And they don't just attend to fires in the area. They do all sorts of um, wrangling of crocodiles that show up in the wrong place, and they really have a crazy array of situations that they attend to in Nosada. So they're doing incredible work. And uh, can we expect more of these fires? Yes, because we're still very much in that dry season, and um, especially with uh, accidental fires, and then sometimes fires are started deliberately um, as part of uh, agricultural work. So the risk is very present around the country, especially in the driest areas. And so all this is ongoing, but isn't the rainy season coming up soon? In theory, the rainy season would be coming up. Typically, it, it would start during this month of April, but the start date of the rainy season or or winter invierno as it's called here has been less and less reliable in recent years because of el nino and other weather phenomena but it really can't come soon enough for central america because the dryness and the drought is causing all sorts of problems from a pine forest destroying weevil in honduras to all kinds of losses for farmers throughout the region and the nino is a recurring phenomenon so what happened the last time el nino came through central america it was devastating. It affected the f food security of more than 2 million people just in this region. It destroyed hundreds of thousands of hectares of crops, and it also killed thousands of cattle. So it's a horrendous additional burden for the region's most vulnerable people. And this has been a pretty dry season. The government has also started enacting water cuts, right? That's right. There are hundreds of thousands of people who are affected. In some areas, uh, authorities use water trucks to deliver water. Uh, in others, people just need to get through it. <laughs> um, this has been a recurring issue for Costa Rica. And uh, last year, a special uh, committee was created within the National Emergency Commission to deal specifically with the lack of access to water. And so what are they recommending for people to conserve water? Well, this is a big issue. Until pretty recently in Costa Rica, uh, kids learned in school that water is an infinite resource. So you'll see a lot of people uh, washing their sidewalks with water instead of a broom and watering plants during the day. Uh, so what authorities say is, please do not do that. Uh, avoid washing your vehicle and then just do normal water saving measures within your home. Uh, don't take long showers and the normal recommendations that you hear. And is there a way for people to find out if they're going to be affected by these water cuts? Right now, the best thing to do is to follow the IES Facebook page. That's the Costa Rican Institute of Water and Sewers. Uh, it's AYA, their Facebook page or their webpage where they offer a texting service so that people can keep stay up to date on shortages that are planned for their districts are the best ways to stay informed. <laughs> the Tico Times has also continued its coverage of issues of sexual harassment and assault. The Tico Times spoke with Chris Gomer, who founded Vaso Lleno, a social initiative that brings awareness to mental illness. After multiple sexual assault scandals broke in Costa Rica, Gomer started a platform that allowed women to share their stories of sexual assault anonymously. Catherine, what was the response to that? 
Chris told us that the response was massive and overwhelming. Um, the forum allowed people to share their stories in an anonymous way. But what really made an impression on her was that so many people did not choose to be anonymous. They just wanted to get their story out there any way that they could. And why are spaces like that important? I think there are a number of reasons that it's important. One is just having a massive response like this to the opportunity that Vaso Lleno created so that people could tell their stories, raises awareness for all of us about what a huge problem this is in Costa Rica and how common this is. Sharing a story in a platform like this might also be the first step for someone to then pursue legal or more formal complaints to deal with this type of crime. But as Chris also pointed out, some of the people who share their story might not be looking to pursue anything further, but just sharing it with anyone is a huge release and it shows people that they're not alone. So Vaso Lleno collected all of these stories, and now what are they doing? So up to this point, Vaso Lleno has essentially been a community and an outlet for people with stories to share. But now what Chris wants to do is to add resources to what she's offering, give concrete resources to people who are dealing with this, both victims and their families or friends. And the Tico Times is proud to be an in-kind sponsor for her first event for people who have experienced sexual harassment or abuse, Tuesday, April 9th at 6 p.m. at Selena Cowork in Barrio Mon. Selena is donating the space. They're another in-kind sponsor so that people can come together and get some in-person support. And we'll be talking more about that event at TicoTimes.net. We also produced a podcast last week dealing with street harassment. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. Our former reporting intern, Alyssa, came up with the idea of reporting on street harassment, which is a problem that every woman in Costa Rica has experienced and some men as well, um, by not only interviewing people who are working on this issue, but also talking directly to people who were harassing her on the street. Some people might feel that way. I totally understand, but did I? I think it was offensive, yeah. I love your eyes. I totally love your eyes. Look at your eyes. They're pretty But nobody said that. Everybody said like, yo, you gotta be has. Oh. No, no. Well, How are it's we supposed to tell the difference? Because no. there's also other guys. You know that what? Maybe it's want it's to a difference. What, which to me was an incredible body, approach because um, this is something, as I said, that everyone has experienced, but it would never have occurred to me to complain about it or do anything about it first because I was new in the country and didn't feel like it was my place somehow. And then later because you kind of get used to it. So the fact that uh, Alyssa was so brave to take this approach and also did it with a really open mind, created incredible conversations with some of the men who were catcalling her. And everyone in the country should listen to this podcast because it's really fascinating to see what's behind um, their behavior and also what Acción Respeto Costa Rica uh, is doing to help educate people about this issue. It's an initiative created to deal with street harassment in Costa Rica and empower not only people who are being the victims of this on the street, but people who might be bystanders to have concrete tools that the podcast describes to help confront these situations when you find them. And Acción Respeto also mentioned that there's five Ds to help fight street harassment. What were they? 
So Alejandra Arguelas of Acción Respeto told us in the podcast about the five Ds developed by the international Hollaback movement. These are different strategies you can use, whether you're experiencing harassment yourself or whether you're watching someone else uh, go through this. The first one is direct. So responding directly to the harasser. They point out that you should use this with caution. Sometimes it can be dangerous to escalate the confrontation. The second one is my favorite is distract. So if you're the victim, find another passerby to whom you can ask a question. Just ask them for the time, ask them the way to the Teatro Nacional, anything to get you engaged with another person and help distract. If you're the bystander, you can do this by asking a simple question to the person who's being harassed and engaging them. Delegate is to seek support from the police or another authority. Delay is more for bystanders. Sometimes this happens so quickly that the moment's gone, but you can still ask the victim how the person is doing, offer to walk them to their, their next destination. And finally, document. If you do want to communicate your experience to authorities, document any way you can, but not at the risk of your safety. Don't do that unless all of the other steps are taken care of and you're physically safe. And if you're a bystander, never share any documentation of harassment without the victim's permission. We're sharing these tips as part of a newly redoubled effort on the part of the Tico Times to share safety tips uh, for traveling and living in Costa Rica with our readers. We want to provide as much useful information as possible uh, to people who are coming to Costa Rica for the first time or people who have been living here for many years. So when you go to ticotimes.net, especially in our Costa Rica 101 section, you can find a number of stories with tips for safe travel, safety on beaches, uh, food and water safety, and we have loved getting tips from readers this week. You can share them with us on any of our social media or by email, and we're going to keep those coming for all of our readers. La Cele has had a few games this month. They lost one and won another. Now they're getting ready for the 2019 CONCACAF Gold Cup. Alejandro, how has Gustavo Matosas been taking to the job? It's hard to say so far. Costa Rica's recent form has not been great, and that goes back even before he became the full-time coach starting this year. Costa Rica did beat Jamaica, Jamaica 1-0 in late March, uh, but they also lost on the road to Guatemala, which has historically not been a great team. And that's the level of competition that they'll be facing in the Gold Cup. To make a deep run, uh, they really need to up their form in the coming months. And has there been anyone in the squad that's been popping out to you besides Keylor Navas? That's one of the issues that Gustavo Matosas has faced so far. Um, so if you look back at the three matches for which he has been Costa Rica's manager, you have a 1-0 win over Jamaica, a 1-0 loss to Guatemala, and then a shutout loss to the United States. Uh, so in those three matches, Costa Rica has only scored once. And Matosas and the entire Costa Rican fan base are looking for someone who can provide an offensive spark. More recently, Matosas has praised Myron George, as a potential attacking threat. That's someone that we didn't see very much last summer at the World Cup, uh, but is someone that Matosa says is a true striker and someone to maybe keep an eye on in the 2019 Gold Cup. Anyone else you're keeping your eye on? It's always a great opportunity to watch Kaylor Navas play. He obviously plays for Real Madrid and does not frequently 
come back for the national team unless it's an official FIFA match date. So anytime that you have the opportunity to watch a goalkeeper of his caliber in his prime is fantastic for the country and for soccer in the region in general. Um, in addition to that, as I mentioned, Costa Rica is looking for any sort of attacking threat. Uh, Joel Campbell is someone who has been picking up more playing time in Mexico recently, uh, and it will be very interesting to see how he does as as a featured role. So Costa Rica will be playing in the Gold Cup in June. What's the Gold Cup field like? Well, Costa Rica has a fantastic opportunity to go very deep in this year's Gold Cup for a couple reasons. Number one, Costa Rica is one of four seeded teams. Uh, that means that they are placed as the leader into their group, and it means that their group won't have any of the other three top teams in the region. So their group won't have Mexico, Honduras, or the United States, which means that they should easily advance into the knockout stages. In addition, they, for the first time ever, have the opportunity to play a match at home. Específicamente Costa Rica será sede de partidos de la fase de grupos de Copa Oro por primera vez. Costa Rica will be the first Central American country to host Gold Cup matches, and Costa Rica will be one of those games. So Costa Rica does very well at home. It should very easily pick up three points then. Um, at that point, you get into the knockout stage, uh, where Costa Rica at this point looks to potentially, of course, how, how everything plays out, uh, they'd be potentially heading into a semifinal clash with Mexico, which would be very exciting for everyone. So aside from that clash, what are you looking forward to? Who do you think is the favorite in this Gold Cup? I think Mexico, without a doubt. Um, they have been on quite a tear recently uh, with their new manager, Gerardo Tata Martino. Uh, they recently beat Chile 3-1, and they have a 4-2 win over Paraguay. Uh, on top of that, there are a lot of Mexicans in the United States, so any game that Mexico plays is a home game for them. For Costa Rica, uh, Costa Rica has never won the Gold Cup in its modern format. If they face Mexico in a semifinal round, they definitely would not be favored, uh, but it as Costa Rica is trying to recover from what was a disappointing 2018 World Cup, it would be considered a success to compete well with Mexico in the semifinal. Uh, anything above that, if they could beat Mexico in a potential semifinal and make the final, uh, would be kind of the cherry on top. And I guess we'll be finding out who Costa Rica will be playing in the group stage soon, right? April 10th, all of the countries that will be participating in the Gold Cup uh, will be reunited for the draw. Uh, so we'll be keeping our eyes open on April 10th to see who Costa Rica will be facing in the group stage. And you can check that news out at ticotimes.net. That's it for this month's news roundup on the Tico Times Dispatch. We'll be bringing you insight on Costa Rica's biggest stories at the beginning of each and every month on this podcast. This podcast was made possible thanks to listeners like you and the Tico Times 5% Club. The Tico Times 5% Club is a dedicated group of readers who donate at least $5 a month to keep our newsroom operational and independent. You also get access to a bunch of cool content like bonus tracks and exclusive ebooks. So head on over to Patreon and join the Tico Times 5% Club today. This podcast was produced by Catherine Stanley, Alejandro Zuniga, and me. It was recorded by Ignacio Tristan with music by Jordan Block. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay up to date at ticotimes.net.